This is Blaze Ridden, and you're listening to Pro Lacrosse Talk. On Shriver. Snyder with scores! Now scores! Hands off for Rabel, switches hands and scores! Kylie Elmiller showing off those shifty skills. Right off the bat, there's Lyle Thompson! Welcome to Pro Lacrosse Talk, the voice of Pro Lacrosse. I'm Hutton, he's Adam, together we're bringing you interviews with your favorite players and coaches, as well as news from all four professional lacrosse leagues. Big news! The ban's been lifted and we are back in. Flipadelphia, here we come! Oh! It is our Philadelphia Week podcast. The Wings went 2-0 this weekend. The Barrage are back, and we are excited more than ever. Adam, how excited are you that the Barrage are coming back to town? Oh, I'm so freaking excited, man. I know I talked in past pods about middle school Adams dreams coming true to have a, a field team back in Philly. And I'm just really excited. One that they're back Two that they brought back the old logos. I thought, uh, don't mess uh, with a good thing. The logo they had uh, back in the early two thousands, I, I thought it was just sleek, perfect and uh, couldn't ask for a better logo. So super excited about that. Super excited about, the team potentially that's going to be. I, I know I was a big fan of that Atlanta Blaze squad and that offense last year. We can talk later about that a little bit more, but couldn't be more excited about that. And also started lacrosse practice today as well, officially uh, underway for the 2020 season at Boys Latin. Couldn't be more excited uh, for the squad we're bringing into the MIA this year. Um, have a bunch of awesome goalies. Um, missed coaching last year and excited to be back on the field. So this was a big a uh, week for me when it comes to lacrosse. Going to be more excited. Awesome, yeah. And we'll dive in a little bit more to what the barrage coming back to Philly kind of means for the MLL as a whole. Uh, you know, what their roster is going to look like. Um, obviously, you mentioned the Blaze a little bit. And you know who's going to be coaching them. So we'll dive into that. But before we do, uh, we're going to do our fast break as usual. But we are rebranding it as the fastest fast break. So without further ado, here we go. It's time for the fastest fast break. We go to Halifax for the Hossack Bowl with brothers Graham and Matt Hossack facing off. The rush get out to a huge 12 lead, but you can never count out Halifax. Cody Jamison and co. come roaring back to tie at 15-15 with 30 seconds left in the game. But the rush, on the rush, get the game winner in overtime. In Toronto, Logan Schuss returned to the Warriors lineup, but he and roommate Mitch Jones were no match for Rob Hellier and The Rock as Hellier raises somehow and scores six goals to take down the Warriors. In Bandit Land, the Wings face their first matchup in back-to-back road games this weekend in less than 24 hours, but Coach Paul Day and company said no problem. They hold on to win in a dominant performance by Zach Higgins, 7-6. to six. And then down in Georgia, the Swarm overwhelmed the Riptide as 10 different goal scorers score for Georgia. They get their revenge and the victory, 14-9. And then in San Diego, the Mammoth get a huge performance out of Dylan Ward as he continues to make incredible saves left and right. The Mammoth get a crucial West victory, and they win 10-7. And in the final game of the weekend in New England at the Casino, the Black Wolves taking on their East rival, and the Wings get off to a hot start off of Rambo's six goals. Throw your socks, ladies and gentlemen, because the Wings win back-to-back games and get a crucial East victory, 14-11, over the New England Black Wolves. All right, so that is our fastest fast break. Fastest fast break in professional lacrosse. 
Uh, that's our recap of our games. Hopefully it's a little bit more entertaining than the usual, so that will be the format. Uh, we also will go into our quick stick now, though, Adam. Why don't you take it away with some of the news from around the leagues? Start off in the PLL. Uh, the league created a PLL stats Twitter account in order to take a deeper dive into the analytics of the PLL. When we saw Joe Keegan at LaxCon, he revealed a bit of what they were looking at during his presentation, and we know he was really excited to get this project off the ground. Uh, really excited about that. We've seen a lot of good things from Joe, and this is another great thing that's gone coming out of the PLL. In other PLL news, uh, their trade window has also begun. That started on Monday and will run until April 20th following uh, the collegiate draft. We haven't seen any trades yet up to this point, but expect some news coming up in the near future. Um, and our last bit of PLL news, Chrome attackman Jordan Wolf announced he'd be changing his number from 32 to 33 in honor of Kobe Bryant, who wore number 33 at Lower Marion, uh, where Wolf attended high school. Um, Wolf also asked for donations uh, to the Kobe Bryant Foundation. So great gesture uh, from Jordan there. Um, from a fellow Lower Marion alum. Moving on to MLL news, the league announced the Cas that Cascade will be the exclusive helmet provider for the MLL, meaning they won't be wearing any uh, Warrior helmets upcoming this upcoming season. We're not sure what this means for the new balance of Warriors' involvement in the league, uh, but with Jim Davis completely out of the MLL and this news, it seems uh, that they won't be a, a sponsor going forward at this point. Uh, and finally, the MLL announced the Atlanta Blaze will not play this season, uh, but their colors and trademarks will remain Atla in Atlanta. And as uh, reported and we talked about a little bit ago, that Blaze roster will be moving to Philly, uh, which brings us to our favorite news of the week, the Philly Barrage are back. All right, so let's dive into this Barrage news. Obviously, we touched on it a little bit, um, but you know, a key point to this news was that the Atlanta Blaze roster will become the new Philadelphia Barrage. Uh, so we also know they will be having a supplemental draft as well in the coming months um, to kind of divvy out, I guess, the rest of the talent. Um, you know, we don't know too many details on that, but uh, essentially the Blaze have become the Barrage, even though they consider these two different franchises. Um, Spencer Ford, who is with the Atlanta Blaze organization, will now be head coach. He'll get his first head coach stint. He played in the MLL uh, for a few seasons, but injuries kind of derailed his, his uh, career early on. But he's been with the league really since its inception, whether it be as a player or as an executive. Um, but this is his first head coaching stint, so we know he's really excited. We're actually going to have him on the podcast uh, in a week or two, so that, that'll be exciting to kind of talk to him about that. But again, Adam, you mentioned the logo's back, the colors are back. I mean, how excited are you to kind of see Philadelphia get its professional field lacrosse team back? It's been a long time coming, you know. I, I've been talking about uh, the interest uh, in a team coming back to Philly for a while. We've seen the Wings come back and have uh, immediate success from a fan standpoint. So um, I think it's important uh, for the league to be in a hotbed like Philly, and I couldn't think of a better spot for them to be. I, I am curious. We haven't heard the announcement of where they will be playing. So depending on where they play really will sway my opinion one way or the other. Obviously, I couldn't be more excited that, that they are back, obviously. But I am curious where that home will be, whether it's, at Villanova, where they played in their previous stint in Philly. Um, jokingly enough, that's uh, at the Temple basketball game the other day when they played Nova. The Temple fans denoted all the places that are closer to Philadelphia than Villanova. So curious to see if they're going back to Nova. People have been throwing out Franklin Field. 
um, where Penn is um, as a potential option. Um, and there are obviously a ton of other potential places as well um, when it comes to collegiate facilities um, in Delco, where I'm from. I can think of a handful um, potentially that you could see a squad filling up a, a, a team, um, filling up uh, a stadium or, or venue um, on a weekly basis, potentially. So just really excited uh, to have a, a team back in the Philly area for the first time in 10 years. I know we try and be uh, impartial. Uh, on this pod and um, but I, I'm gonna have a little bit of an allegiance when it comes to next MLL season I'm gonna be honest with you uh, but speaking of kind of from a context of the MLL what are your thoughts on on this move uh, for the league in general I think it's smart I mean Philadelphia is a huge hotbed for lacrosse um, you know I, I've heard a lot of people saying oh well, they might as well call it the Northeast Lacrosse League you know now that they're kind of centralizing all the teams in the Northeast besides the Denver Outlaws um, but I think it's smart for the MLL's growth. You have to look at it, you know, they're, they're trying to consolidate into these hotbeds. You know, Connecticut is also a, a fairly good lacrosse market. And they're trying to do that because tenants in Atlanta was poor. Uh, tenants in Dallas was poor. And right now they need to lean heavily on these hotbeds where there are a majority of lacrosse fans. So the MLO needs to really just batten down the hatches and get into cities that they know they can be successful and build these local fan bases, you know, partner with local leagues. Um, you know, it's obviously a shame that they've moved out of markets like Ohio, Atlanta, Dallas, you know, markets that have potential. Um, but I think as long as they kind of regroup and maybe refocus, they could return to those markets. You know, they've consolidated into a single entity that gives them a little bit more control. They didn't leave Denver, which I think would have been a mistake because Denver, again, to me is a hotbed, whereas an Atlanta or a Dallas or in Ohio, um, you know, those are big lacrosse areas, but they're still not established enough, I think, you know, for the MLO right now. So I guess that's kind of where I'm at with it. I, I like that they're consolidating it also because, you know, to be honest, the PLO has more of the big name players, um, you know, and it's not just a talent thing either. They just have more recognizable players have been doing a better job of building those brands. So the MLO needs to really lean heavily on the team aspect, you know, like that they've done with the Bayhawks. The Bayhawks are embedded in the Annapolis community. The Cannons are embedded in the Massachusetts community. Um, you know, the Lizards, too, are, are embedded in Long Island. So you kind of need to build those local loyalties a little bit stronger um, before you start expanding a little bit more. So I, I, I like it. I think it's a good move as a whole. Um, but, you know, time will tell to see. Uh, you know, they obviously, like I said, they don't. I don't think they have the the talent that the PLL does, and we don't know what the shakeup's going to be. You know, come March when uh, people go over to the PLL. But Dan Oresti has talked to a lot of these MLL players, a lot of them from the Northeast, and a lot of them are actually happy with the decisions the MLL has been making on uh, consolidating yeah. the Northeast. They're going to not have to travel as much. Uh, they'll be you know closer to home. Family and friends can see them. Um, and he said, you know, that a few of them. We're considering making the jump to PLL and have decided to stay. So we don't know who exactly those players are. Uh, even if we did, we can't really reveal, you know, as in terms of privacy for the, the players. And, you know, they obviously have contracts that they, they are tied to right now. But uh, all that will come out in March. Um, and I think, you know, the league is in, in decent shape right now um, in terms of, you know, a competitive standpoint. But, uh, yeah, we're excited about the barrage. Um, you, know, you know, I know you posted your, your poster of Greg Catrano. Um, hopefully, uh, the Philadelphia Barrage will send you some, some merchandise. They talked about sending merchandise to some OG fans. So 
if anyone gets any merchandise, I think you deserve it. But yeah, that that's our, our little take on the barrage. We're excited to have him back. We're going to get into more Philly sports later when we talk the NLL. But before we do that, let's kind of go into the PLL trade window that just was announced. Um, we have an article coming out soon uh, where me, you, and Jordan Johnson and Dan Arrested kind of talk about what players we think need a change of scenery and what trades we could see uh, in this window. But uh, we'll give you a little bit of a preview of that with, with some of the players that we think need a change of scenery. Um, and I'll go first with the first one to me. Obviously, Romar Dennis expressed his discontent with the Chrome last year uh, and them not protecting him from the expansion draft. He went undrafted in the expansion draft, so he returns to the Chrome. Uh, but, you know, he talked about maybe asking for a trade if he was to return. So we don't know if that's still his plan right now. Um, but I think he's a guy that needs a change of scenery. You know, he played in every game last year, but, you know, really wasn't that productive. Didn't see a lot of, you know, time to us we went down the stretch despite you know the chrome being in last place you know he really had nothing to lose so he's a guy i think needs a change of scenery um i would love if the chaos traded for him um and you know i think romar dennis is a pretty high caliber player um so i think the chrome would really want something in return and you know right now the chaos are pretty loaded at attack um i thought miles thompson messed really well with that attack group obviously he's an albany guy and you got connor fields there but I wouldn't be surprised if they were willing to part ways with him. They did leave him unprotected in this expansion draft, and I would like to see maybe, you know, chaos trade for Romar Dennis, add a little bit of midfield depth, you know, kind of replace the, you know, Kyle McClancy that they lost in the draft and, uh, you know, give away Miles Thompson to the Chrome, who, uh, you know, could really add that extra element to a gutterding and Jordan Wolf attack. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I could definitely see that happening, especially – um, if we do see the likes of a Curtis Dixon and Austin Stotts who are currently on uh, that chaos roster, they, they have opportunities uh, to move on, whether that is Miles Thompson or another guy to, to add in a studly uh, midfielder like Romar. Yeah, no, absolutely. And then, then another guy that I think, you know, could really use a change of scenery and I really was pushing for him to, you know, maybe get a trade last year, um, you know, before the deadline is Chris Cloutier. I think he's a really talented player. Um, he obviously excels with the Bandits in the NLL, and I think he so showed some really good signs last year as well. Um, he's a pro-caliber guy, but he really just didn't mess well with this attack on the Atlas. Um, and right now, no one's hurting for attackmen more than the Whip Snakes. You know, they were robbed of Ben Reeves, Connor Kelly, and Ryan Drenner in this expansion draft, so they are hurting for attackmen. Uh, right now, they'll only be returning Matt Rambo as a starting attackman. You know, I think they got guys on the roster that can really step up, like a, a Dylan Maltz, per se. But uh, I would really like them to trade for Chris Cloutier. Um, and in return, I would do a three-team deal. So the Whipsnakes would get Chris Cloutier. The Whips would instead give up James Barclay, because uh, they are loaded right now on the defensive side. And Barclay instead would go to the Chaos, um, along with a third-round pick. So the Chaos could really bolster that defense after you know losing Brody Merrill. James Barclay would be reunited with one of his Providence teammates and Jared Newman. Uh, and in return, the chaos would send Curtis Dixon to the Atlas. You know, he's talked about how he's excited to play this summer. Um, hopefully he'll be healthy going into this season. And I think his style fits much better with Eric Law and Ryan Brown than Chris Cloutier's did. So I would like to see him added, you know, provide a little bit of veteran leadership too to that Atlas attack. Um, and I, I think that would be the three player trade I would do but regardless I think Chris Cloutier is a guy that could really benefit from a change of scenery um, as I mentioned you know if the Whipsnakes do get him he would be reunited with his teammate Matt Rambo 
on the wings, you know, which he was with for a few months before they traded him to Buffalo. So um, I, I think that could, you know, work really well uh, if all the teams involved agree on that. No, that makes complete sense. And, you know, when I was looking at these uh, potential PLL trades, I, I took a little bit of a different round. I looked at some players that maybe didn't get as much PT as they, they had hoped last season. And with the changes for scenery, probably uh, could make a big impact in the league. Uh, you, you talked about from a defensive side uh, of things. Let's start there. Uh, Archer's Gorn Murray um, was an awesome player during his time uh, at University of Maryland, was first team All-American his junior year but didn't really get too much playing time, only appeared in three games uh, for the Archers last year. And, you know, we talked to Coach Copeland uh, about that water dog squad, and he, he mentioned on the pod that they're looking for some defense. Um, and what, what better option would there be to, to get a guy like uh, Gore Murray, who not only proved it in college, but proved it during his time in the MLL as well. Um, and I think he would be a fantastic addition uh, to that new water dog squad. Um, and get him back in, in the game. Um, another one I was thinking of on, on the defensive side of the ball um, was Jack Kelly. You know, he was my pick uh, when we were talking about expansion for, for the Water Dogs, um, but I, I decided to send him to the Chrome. Um, I think he would be a, a fantastic addition uh, to that Chrome squad um, who has John Galloway currently in, in cage for them, but I, I don't know um, how much longer Galloway will be uh, suiting it up. He, he's still uh, playing at, at a strong level, um, but his coaching career seems to be uh, taking precedent um, at Jacksonville. And, you know, Kelly and Galloway uh, were the tandem that went to uh, Israel um, and, and won that gold medal, albeit Jack Kelly getting injured in that uh, tournament. But uh, they have uh, that connection from the U.S. side things. Um, and depending on what Galloway wants to do going forward, Kelly could be a fantastic option uh, to take over that home and cage once Galloway retires. Yeah, no, and uh, maybe, you know, you, you send Romar Dennis to the Redwoods and, uh, um, you know, or, or you could trade some draft picks too, you know, with the Chrome. And they'll be drafting second in rounds two, three, and four, so they have some valuable draft picks to kind of give up um, if they decide to trade for Jack Kelly. Um, you know, I don't know if the... Redwoods necessarily need, you know, Romar, you know, they're kind of solid right now at the midfield, but, um, you know, it wouldn't hurt to add a guy like Romar Dennis to the midfield if they decide to do that and trade for Jack Kelly. Um, you know, yeah, and they obviously got Gunnar Walt, too, as another backup, so they really don't need three goaltenders, um, so I think, you know, they could really use him as some trade bait right now where his market is, you know, pretty hot. Yeah, it's, yeah it, it's going to be an interesting thing. We always talk from when, an NFL, when we talk about NFL, we talk about the quarterback situation. I think PLL going forward, we're going to talk about um, the, the goalie situation, right? What are, what are the best options for backups? You know, it, you, need, you need a strong backup um, or you need a, a fantastic tandem like they do with the Archers and Adam Gittleman and Drew Adams. So um, we'll see what happens going forward. But I think Jack Kelly uh, – was strong enough to be one of the two goalies selected for the U.S. national team, was an All-American at Brown. Uh, he has the capabilities uh, of playing uh, in this league. Um, and I honestly do think he probably would have been the starter last year if he hadn't, uh, for the Redwoods, if he hadn't had that injury. Uh, lucky for the Redwoods, Timmy Troutner came out um, and, and played out of his mind, and it, it's his position to lose. Um, but I, I think Kelly's good enough to play in this league, and I think someone's going to give them a chance eventually. Yeah, so those are our trade ideas, and those are some players we think could use a change of scenery. 
Um, we'll have more in our article coming out later this week, so be on the lookout for that. Um, but that concludes this segment of our podcast. We're going to take a quick break, hear a word from our sponsor, and then we'll go into our NLL game recaps. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Today's show is being brought to you in part by Stitcher Premium. You can use Stitcher Premium to listen to shows ad-free such as Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend, My Favorite Murder, Wolverine the Lost Trail, or our favorite, The Fantasy Footballers. For only $4.99 a month or $34.99 a year, you get access to Stitcher Originals, bonus episodes, and comedy albums. Better yet, if you go over to stitcher.com premium and use the promo code lacrosse today, you can get one month free. So head on over to Stitcher, sign up, and get your free trial today. All right, so welcome back. Let's dive into these NLL games. Uh, we'll start off with the, the one that started off the weekend and might have been the best game of the year, in my opinion. The Rush taking on the Thunderbirds, a.k.a. the Hasek Bowl. Two heavyweights going at it on Military Appreciation Night. Um, this game had everything. It was in front of an electric Halifax crowd that has really embraced the sport from the get-go. Um, so kudos to those Halifax fans. Uh, but these teams were evenly matched in their own ways. I mean, this game was very competitive despite being a huge game of runs. You know, the Rush got out to a huge lead, with the score eventually being 12-3 in the favor of the Rush early in the third. Um, but again, you could never count out the Thunderbirds, as they've proven all year, as Cody Jamison and co. came roaring back in the fourth, down by a deficit of 14-7, and went on an 8-1 run to tie the game and send it to overtime with less than 30 seconds left. Um, but their Achilles heel, all game long, would be their downfall. They gave up yet another transition goal to the appropriately named Rush, who won off a Mike Messenger breakaway goal. Uh, so Halifax drops its second straight loss. Uh, the Rush get a huge, huge victory. They're really firing on all cylinders right now, the Rush. Um, you know, I don't think we talk about them enough. Um, and again, like, you know, these transition goals, they, they just really played really solid defense on Halifax, forced those turnovers, and made the most out of them. Um, despite the loss, Ryan Banesh for the Halifax Thunderbirds had 10 points. So, again, he's just been on a tear. Um, but, again, the, you know, the Thunderbirds' late rally that we've come to know, know them for, uh, again, fell short this week. Um, and the, the Rush get a big, big victory. So, Adam, you predicted the Rush would win in this one, and they got it done in a nail-biter. Do you think we just saw a preview of possibly the NLL Finals this year? I definitely could, could see both of these squads getting that far, you know. Um, at, at this point in the season, uh, I know that there's a lot of games left to be played, but Saskatchewan really has a hold on that Western division uh, at, at the moment. You know, they, they've played four less games uh, than Colorado, who currently is five and six. Um, so uh, as long as they don't lose all of those, they, they're, they're holding steady at that top uh, of the Western division. I definitely see them um, at this point uh, as a playoff team and, and a, an absolute contender uh, for the championship going forward. Halifax? I think they are still one of the top two teams in the NLL. Despite the loss, it's so impressive um, that they had the ability uh, to come back 
um, and make that run in the fourth quarter, um, albeit coming up short. They are a fantastic squad, and I, I fully expect them uh, to be there in the long term uh, when it comes to the playoff picture and one of the top two, three teams in this league. Yeah, you can just never count them out. I mean, Micah Kersey gets them, you know, to really just, you know, buy into the system. And if they can nix just some of these, uh, you know, second and third quarter slumps that they tend to have, you know, I think they, they would be a lot better off. I mean, again, they're, you know, only have two losses on the season. A glaring difference between um, this this squad currently and, and kind of the beginning of the season when they were clicking on all cylinders uh, is the playing cage. I think it's important to note um, we we thought we saw a Warren Hill that, that had upped his game. Um, and he was playing absolutely lights out early in the season. Uh, lately, he's come back uh, to earth a little bit um, in, in his play, and I think that's something to to kind of keep a keep an eye on going forward um, when it comes to uh, the longevity and the success uh, of this Halifax roster. I think he is absolutely suited um, to be um, a part of, of this roster and a starter, and uh, has the ability um, to to propel that defense. But that's just something uh, to to look look out for going forward is his playing cage um, because I think that really will determine how far this Halifax squad can go you know definitely and as we mentioned you know goaltending is so crucial uh, to a team's success you know we can't can't understate that is so crucial to a team's success you know we can't overstate that enough Um, and a team that has been getting really good goaltending you know week in and week out is the Philadelphia Wings so let's get into the Philadelphia discussion um, again you know, a great week for Philly sports if you're a lacrosse fan. The Wings had back-to-back road games this weekend with less than 24-hour turnaround. Um, Coach Paul Day and company still said no problem. They go into Bandit land and hold on to win 7-6 to in a really hard-fought game against the Bandits. Uh, and then they take on their East rival in the Black Wolves and get the 14-11 victory on Sunday. So what a weekend for Philadelphia sports. Yeah, and you know, when we talk about that first game against Buffalo, you mentioned it, goalie Zach Higgins really came up with a gem in cage. You know, 44 saves and only six goals allowed, including some big saves in the fourth quarter. You know, when we went to their home opener um, and and chatted with some of the guys afterwards, they couldn't talk highly enough uh, of Higgins and how his development um, has really been at an upward trajectory compared from last season uh, to this, you know. You know, Paul Day could not talk highly enough uh, of the development of, of his starting goaltender. And like we said, goaltending is such an important uh, position. And some some weren't sure about Higgins coming into the season. Um, he's really shown uh, that he is one of uh, the top net minders in the world. Yeah, I think, too, that this team is really bought in to playing team defense in front of Higgins, too. Um, you know, they're just really dominating their one-on-one matchups, um, playing solid in front of him. I mean, we saw in the, the first half of the Black Wolves game, they only allowed one settled goal, you know, and the rest were on transition. So if they, you know, were able to nix those transition opportunities, they would have been, you know, even off to an even bigger win against the Black Wolves. And they play, you know, a hard-nosed style where they aren't afraid to be physical. You know, it's guys like Steph Charbonneau who may not make much of a dent, you know, in the goal column, but do the intangibles like playing lockdown defense and getting loose balls that really make a difference, you know, on this team. And Matt Rambo had a breakout weekend. You know, we, we've seen what he was able to do, you know, especially assisting uh, a lot of his teammates this year. But, you know, he had quite the goal tally this weekend as well. Um, he had 10 goals this weekend, six in the second game against the Black Wolves. He had a hat trick just 18 minutes into the game and would finish with the sock trick 
uh, career high six goals for him. Um, so you know what a weekend for Rambo. And the Wings were just efficient on the power play. They they went four for six on the power play this weekend, and more importantly, they've been holding their opponents. They allowed just two goals in six shorthanded situations this weekend, um, and even got a shorthanded goal themselves against New England. So I, again, I can't emphasize enough how much this team has bought in uh, to Coach Day's you know philosophy and playing solid team defense, you know being physical. Um, and really outmatching your opponents um, on those loose balls. So I don't know, what else have you seen from this team? And do you think they could really be a contender and make a run to the NLL Finals this year? You know, I, I don't see why not. The, the progression of this team for, from last year to this year uh, is, is pretty exemplary. And, you know, Coach Day talked about before the season how, how close they were last year um, in those games that they lost by a goal or two. And um, those go- those games um, from for a young squad didn't go their way last year, um, but with that experience, uh, with the improvement of players like Higgins and the aforementioned Rambo, like we talked about, um, their development continues to increase, and uh, play and the play of guys like Trevor Baptiste and and, and then the guys that they brought back um, from injury, um, I fully expect them to be in the running the whole way. Are they my odds-on favorite at this point in the season? Probably not. Um, but as if they continue to play uh, the way they are, they're the first team to seven wins on the season, um, albeit them pl- playing 10 games already. Um, they have a spot at the top of that division right now, um, and they have a couple games up where a team like Georgia, who hasn't has played two less games, and a team like New England, who has played three less games, they have to win all those games to, to even up with the wings uh, at the top of the standings right now. So uh, they're looking strong to make a, the playoffs and make a strong run once they get there. You know, definitely it was a big weekend for the wings, getting those two road victories uh, and, you know, now sitting at the top of the East standings. Um, and then along, you know, with the Philadelphia Barrage news, it made for a really great week for Philadelphia sports fans. But some other notable results from around the league we didn't mention yet. Uh, the Mammoth get the win over the Seals. Dylan Ward had another gem, this time getting the win and snatching another soul with one of his miraculous saves. Uh, we talked about how we were worried for the Mammoth last last week. Um, I wouldn't say that they're out of the woods just yet, but they moved up the West Standings thanks to uh, their win as well as a loss from Vancouver. And speaking of Vancouver's loss... Uh, the Warriors got Logan Shust back from injury, but it wasn't enough as the Rock go on a six-goal run starting in the second quarter never really looked back on their way to a 14-7 victory. And then finally, another game from around the league uh, was the Swarm getting revenge against the Riptide 14-9. The Riptide got down early 9-2 and could never really kind of recover from that. Um, it was f- a fairly balanced attack from the Swarm with 10 different goal scorers for Georgia. Um, one of those was not Shane Jackson this week. Um, his hat trick streak comes to an end this week, but he still had six assists. So I think he's doing just fine. Um, but those are your results from around the league. Uh, those are our game recaps. So now let's dive into the top fantasy lacrosse performers from the weekend. Uh, some of the top performers you had in cage was Dylan Ward. We mentioned 52 saves. Uh, he had an assist and a loose ball as well. Um, and only allowed single digit goals for his eighth game of the season. So he had 12 and a half points. And then at forward, you had Ryan Banesh at 12.25 points, and Rob Hellier and Shane Jackson each with 9 points to lead the forwards. On defense in transition, it was Challen Rogers who had 6.75 points, and Steve Priolo who had 6 points that led defensive in transition players 
So if you started either of those captains, uh, you were sitting pretty good. And then, of course, last week, Adam, you had Ben McIntosh uh, as your epic lacrosse fantasy lock. He got you four goals and 4.75 points. So not a huge day, but, you know, still a solid pick. Um, and then I had Shane Jackson, who got me nine points off of his six assists. I predicted he would get another hat trick, which didn't happen, but he still got me a lot of fantasy lacrosse points. So now heading into this week, Adam, who is your epic lacrosse fantasy lock? I'm going to be going with the Thunderbirds' Clark Peterson. Uh, they have a huge game, battle for first place against The Rock this coming weekend. Uh, Peterson's a native of Toronto, so I expect him to come up big um, from an offensive standpoint uh, for Halifax against his hometown squad. So I'm going to take Clark Peterson. All right, and with my pick, I'm going to take Randy Stotts. He is tied for first on the Swarm uh, with 29 assists. So, you know, he, he continues to, to dish out apples on the offensive side of the ball. I think he's going to get another high assist total this weekend. Um, maybe a few goals sprinkled in there and a few loose balls. So he's my epic lacrosse fantasy lock. Lock it down. All right, so those are this week's epic lacrosse fantasy locks. Let us know your lock by tweeting us your pick and using the hashtag epic lacrosse fantasy lock. Uh, with that, we will take a quick break, hear a word from our sponsor, and then we'll go into our Prolax throwback moment of the week. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Today's show is being brought to you in part by Stitcher Premium. You can use Stitcher Premium to listen to shows ad-free such as Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend, My Favorite Murder, Wolverine the Lost Trail, or our favorite, The Fantasy Footballers. For only $4.99 a month or $34.99 a year, you get access to Stitcher Originals, bonus episodes, and comedy albums. Better yet, if you go over to stitcher.com premium and use the promo code lacrosse today, you can get one month free. So head on over to Stitcher, sign up, and get your free trial today. All right, so welcome back. We have an edition of our Prolax Throwbacks this week. And again, since the Barrage are returning, we are honoring the Philadelphia Barrage. We're going to take a look at Roy Colsey's 10-point performance in the 2006 MLL Championship. In one of the more brilliant individual performances we've seen in playoff history, Roy Colsey tallied a dazzling 10 points, which were six goals, including two two two-pointers and two assists, en route to a 23-12 Barrage victory over the Outlaws, and a second MLL title for the team. Colsey was named the 2006 MLL Championship MVP as well in this game. So overall, just a phenomenal performance by him. So let's take a listen to some of the calls from those goals. High heat from Roy Colsey. A wicked release for two more. That's Roy Colsey. Boyle on the quick feed, and it's Colsey. One more for Boyle. Finding Colsey. Bang! Colsey. Let's it fly! Plenty of starch on that one past Alex Smith. Philadelphia's got 20 points, and they are well on their way in the summer of 2006 to claiming that Major League Lacrosse Championship trophy. It's a heavy little guy. There it is. Yeah. 
second one sweeter, boys. The second one is sweeter. What a performance by Roy Colsey. Adam, you watched the game as a kid and as a Philadelphia Barrage fan. What was it like watching his performance? Yeah, it was, it was pretty stunning. He, he was a fantastic player. We were really lucky uh, for him to stick around once the Barrage moved uh, from Bridgeport. You know, this was a, a big battle coming into this one. You know, it was clearly the two best teams in the league um, pretty much from the get-go. Both squads ended up being 10-2 and two that year. Um, we're head, head and shoulders above um, the, the rest of the league handled uh, both of their semifinals pretty easily. Um, so it was, to be honest with you, a pretty surprising outcome, um, to, to say the least. Obviously, um, I was pretty excited with the outcome uh, in 2006. Um, and not only was this a studly game for Roy Colsey, which we saw a uh, huge game uh, as well from Brian Doherty in cage uh, for that Barrage squad. So uh, great throwback. Uh, bringing back some awesome memories uh, from from that time point in pro lacrosse. Uh, so couldn't pick a better one, especially for timing-wise. Yeah, no, definitely. So that's kind of why we, we picked it. Um, that's your, you know, Prolax throwbacks moment of the week. Uh, you guys can check out the video um, of those highlight goals, you know, on our social media. So feel free to do that. If you haven't already, dig deep into some of this Philadelphia Barrage history. You know, they're considered one of the best dynasties to ever you know, playing pro lacrosse, um, winning those three championships in four years in the early 2000s. So um, can't recommend doing a deep dive into Philadelphia Barrage history enough. Uh, but with that, that wraps up our Prolax throwback segment. Our final segment, of the, our final segment of the podcast is the pick and roll. We have five competitive games this week. Um, these were really tough for me to, to pick when I was looking at them at first. But uh, let's dive right into them, Adam. Our first game of the weekend is the Toronto Rock taking on the Halifax Thunderbirds. Who do you like in this one? Yeah, there are some fantastic games this weekend coming up um, with real playoff implications uh, coming down the line. This is a big one, a battle for first place overall in that North Division. Um, Tough one, I think, as well as the Rock played last week. uh, I just don't see the Thunderbird squad losing three straight. Uh, I take Thunderbirds. In this one, I mentioned Clark Peterson having a big day. I think that offense is going to ball out, and I think Warren Hill's going to come up in cage um, and get the W for the Thunderbirds. All right, I'm going to go Thunderbirds as well. I think Ryan Banesh is going to continue his you know scoring tear that he's on. You know, the, the Rock did knock off Halifax two weeks ago, um, handed them their first loss, but it's tough to beat teams you know multiple times, especially within three weeks. I think Thunderbirds are going to be prepared. I think they're going to go in Toronto, and they're going to steal a win. It's going to be a close one for sure, though. And then going off of that, we have another huge matchup between the Saskatchewan Rush and the Philadelphia Wings. Adam, who do you like in this one? Yeah, this is another fantastic matchup. I'm going to ride the hot hand. I know it's crazy to think the Rush aren't the hot hand in this one, uh, but I, I was 2-0, got close to you in the standings because of those two Wings victories. I'm, I'm riding the Philly high, sticking with Wings. All right, I'm going Rush. You know, I, I, it was tough for me because, you know, the Wings are back at home. They've been playing really, really well too. Um, but I, I think their transition defense is going to hurt them a little in this one. We saw, you know, this matchup I think is going to be tough for both teams. You know, I think the Rush are going to really take it to them on transition. But I think the, the Rush are going to, you know, put a lot of these transition goals home. Um, kind of, you know, pepper Higgins a little bit more than he's used to. And I think Mark Matthews' squad... Uh, comes LA with a victory in Philadelphia. And then following that game, we have the Nighthawks 
heading to New England to take on the Black Wolves. Who do you like in this one, Adam? You know, despite their record at this point, uh, I'm excited to see what the Nighthawks uh, have to have in store. Coming off a tough loss to a Warriors squad where they thought they really had it um, in the bag with that last 30 seconds um, and that play within the last 30 seconds. And it, if it wasn't for Mitch Jones, I think they may have doubled their win total for the season. Um I think this is a trap game for a Wolf squad who, who needs a victory. I'm taking Nighthawks in this one. Sean Evans going to have a big day, um, and I think they've come out of New England with, with a rare victory. All right, I, I think this is going to be a shootout. Um, again, though, I think you know New England has more depth than the Rochester Nighthawks do. Um, you know, I think Doug Jameson is going to have a better game than he has in the past couple weeks. Um, so I'm going to go, you know, with Callan Crawford and Doug Jameson and the Black Wolves to get the victory against the Nighthawks. And then following that game, we have the Warriors taking on the Seals in San Diego. Uh, this game was originally going to be the Rumble at the runway. It was rescheduled, unfortunately, uh, because of the issue with the military base that they were going to play at. Um, you know, they were dealing with the coronavirus, so they had to change the venue for that. Um, this one was tough for me uh, to kind of decide. So I'll, I'll go first on this one, though. I think the, the Seals are going to get a huge victory against the, the Warriors and keep this West division interesting. Right now the Seals are sitting at the bottom, and the Warriors are you know right ahead of them. There's so much parity in this West division, um, but I, I think San Diego matches up against Vancouver really, really well, and I think you know with the return of Austin Stotts and Casey Jackson, they're going to get the victory in this one. Yeah, I'd have to agree with you on that one. I think the big difference between the squad now and the last time they played is the play of Austin Stotts. Um, add that into the mix, and I foresee a victory uh, for the Seals as well, especially albeit at home. All right, and then the final game of the weekend, uh, the Roughnecks finally get back on the schedule, and they are taking on the Georgia Swarm in Georgia. Adam, who do you like in this one? I'm going to take the Swarm in this one. Uh, they have to continue to play well uh, to stay near the top of that East Division. Uh, it's a home game for, for the Swarm. I think, like you talked about, uh, your boy Shane Jackson uh, has continued to play well, whether it's scoring or assisting in scoring. I think that offense is pretty potent. Roughnecks um, are still looking to kind of find their sea legs on the offensive side of the ball with some, some key missed players. Uh, I think the Swarm offense uh, it's just going to be a little bit too much for the Roughnecks. All right, yeah, you, you mentioned, you know, the Roughnecks are a little banged up, but they are getting a key guy back, and that is the captain, Dane Dobie, this week. So I really think that they're going to get a big victory in Georgia. Um, I think they're going to, you know, stay competitive in that West Division, and I like Calgary in this one. Wouldn't surprise me if they got the W with the captain back. Absolutely. So those are our game picks for this week. Uh, we didn't really mention, Adam, you had a phenomenal week this week. You went 5-1. and one. Uh, I went 2-4. and four, So you made up a lot of ground like you said you would. I'm currently 32-19, and 19, so still ahead of you by uh, 2, with you being 30-21 and 21 overall in the season. But, uh, yeah, you made up some ground. We're both, you know, doing pretty well above 500. Um, but, uh, you know, I definitely lost... A uh, bit of the lead that I had on you last week. Uh, but with that, that wraps up our podcast. We do want to tease a few things coming out. Uh, like I said, we have our trade article that is coming out later this week. 
Our interview with Andy Copeland is also currently up, as well as a complimentary article by Dan Arestia talking about the tough decisions Coach Copeland had to make. So feel free to check out either the podcast or the article. Uh, We're also happy to announce we have three upcoming interviews, uh, one with Pat Harbison of the Redwoods, one with Kieran McArdle of the New York Riptide and Water Dogs, and Spencer Ford, head coach of the new Philadelphia Barrage. So be on the lookout for those three interviews coming in the near future. And then finally, we want to welcome Jackson Hallman, who is our now our uh, graphic design contributor, joining the team. Uh, he is going to be putting out a lot of cool designs, uh, including a, a new series that we're going to keep under wraps for now, but uh, PLL fans should be pretty excited for this new series that we're doing. Uh, Jackson you know, is a phenomenal graphic designer. He's currently in college right now at Salisbury uh, studying graphic design, and we're really glad to have him on our team. So that wraps up our podcast. Uh, before we, we go, Adam, let's go to overtime. Uh, what are you looking forward to most this coming weekend of lacrosse? Yeah, you know, I think that we talked about a lot of NLL games that are going to be so, some barn burners, but I'm really excited uh, to see. We mentioned it uh, a little bit earlier, uh, but this trade window, I fully expect some trades to go down for the PLL uh, pretty soon. Uh, so I'm excited to, to see what news pops up on my feed. Uh, when it comes to some future trades for our PLL players. All right. Uh, I like that. I'm definitely interested to see what trades kind of come about, um, especially to see what you know teams decide if they decide to load up on draft picks and maybe move away from some players, or maybe you know they feel like they, they want to make moves before the draft. Um, but my, my thing that I'm really looking forward to watching, I mean, we just had Michael Sowers have a phenomenal game, 14 points in his most recent game with Princeton, um, he's looking like the unanimous number one pick right now, but there are some other great prospects out there. So I'm excited to actually watch some college lacrosse this weekend uh, and see some future draft prospects uh, for this league. There's a lot of prospects out there. Um, it'll definitely be cool to kind of, you know, watch these guys play in college and kind of, you know, predict where they might end up come this April college draft. But with that, that wraps up episode 65. Thank you guys all for listening. Please subscribe and consider leaving us a review, and we hope you tune in next time too. Pro Lacrosse Talk.